We're going to read a number of passages this morning concerning the resurrection, and we'll begin with Mark 16, Mark chapter 16. And we're going to focus upon the message of the resurrection delivered by the angels that explains in part the parts that we read. We'll read the first eight verses of Mark 16. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrightened. And he saith unto them, Be not affrightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly, and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. We turn next to Luke, the Gospel according to Luke chapter 24. Hope you see as we read these that these accounts have differences. They add things and other things they omit. All of them relevant. We're going to read now the first 12 verses, Luke 24. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulcher, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, 
and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter, and ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And then finally, we turn to our text, which is in Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Our text is the first eight verses. And we're going to read, however, the entire chapter. Our text is the first eight verses, so you can pay special attention to that. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake, and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We read thus far. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is risen from the dead. The same one who on a Friday was crucified on a cross and having suffered unto death was taken from that cross and laid in the stone tomb of one Joseph of Arimathea, that same one has come forth from that stone prison alive. Them, he who was crushed to death, has sprung through the rock of that tomb and lives then and lives now having paid the price of our sin and the curse of our death being taken upon Him, we also may live. This is now the universal, glorious gospel. The gospel is not merely that there is a God but that God has a Son. And the Gospel is not merely that God's Son is perfectly God Himself, but that God's Son is also a man. And the Gospel is not merely that in this flesh that man, the Son of God, lived, but that life was taken away from Him so that he died. But the Gospel also is not merely that the Son of God in our flesh suffered and died on a cross for our sins, but exactly because he suffered for our sins and paid the price of them, which is death, that he now also lives. That's the Gospel. Any Gospel That does not include the resurrection. That is, any gospel of the cross. Any gospel of the death of Jesus Christ, which excludes the resurrection, is no gospel at all. As the Apostle Paul himself said to the church, if Christ be not risen, then our faith Our faith in God. Our faith in the Son of God. Our faith in the Son of God crucified, dead, and buried. That faith, if Christ be not risen, is vain, saith the Apostle Paul. Someone must be first to announce that glorious gospel of the resurrection. A gospel that will soon be brought to the very ends of the earth. Significantly, that gospel is not brought by Christ Himself first. 
It's not even His chosen apostles who lived with Him and followed Him and sat at His feet and heard His every word who first announced this glorious gospel of the resurrection. Rather, it is angels. Jesus, the risen Christ, gives the grand privilege of announcing His resurrection to angels. Glorious and powerful spirits from heaven who have waited thousands of years to make this announcement. Also, someone must be first to hear this glorious gospel. And again, amazingly and wonderfully, according to the sovereign dictates of the King Jesus now risen, the first to hear this gospel is not His chosen apostles, nor any disciples, but specifically all women, a number of women, an amazingly large number of women, and women only are the first to hear this glorious gospel proclaimed by the angels. And furthermore, the angels give these women the task of then announcing this gospel to the apostles. And from there, the apostles will bring this gospel first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles and indeed into all the earth. But it is spoken first by angels, then women. The gospel that the angels bring, and as we saw in the passages we read, is not merely the truth, the reality, the glorious event that must occur that Jesus is not here, but He is risen as He said. That glorious gospel includes also this command concerning a response to that gospel. The command, fear not, fear not. The reason for that is because the important question is not simply, did Jesus rise from the dead? There were others, the Scriptures record, who knew Jesus had risen from the dead. But they rejected that gospel. They rejected that news. They rejected that risen Savior. The question is, how do you respond to that gospel? And the response demanded of the angels is, fear not. Consider with me this morning the resurrection gospel of the angels. The message, the meaning, and the significance. First, the message. If you think about it long enough, it might surprise you that our Lord Jesus Christ would choose angels to bring such a message. Oh, it might not be surprising that the angels would bring the message that Christ is not here, but He is risen. 
But it is surprising that the message, fear not, would be brought by these same angels. Angels are perfect heavenly beings who with amazing brilliance reflect continually and perfectly the glories of God the Father in whose presence they stand night and day. There are an innumerable company of angels who stand in the presence of God like the seraphim who hover over the throne of God on powerful wings, who see everything and cease not to praise God, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And then notice that their glory of God makes reference to Christ, even in the Old Testament, by adding, who was and is and is to come. That's the angels. They are powerful, powerful agents of God's providence and of God's judgments. The Scriptures tell us that angels are given power over the winds of the earth, over the seas, and over the oceans of the earth. It was angels who guarded the tree of life in Eden with flaming swords after the fall of Adam. It is angels who rain fire and brimstone, destroying Sodom and Gomorrah and its immorality. It was angels who slew the firstborn of Egypt and who destroyed an entire army of 185,000 warriors who had surrounded Jerusalem and threatened to wipe it off the map and then made the foolish mistake of mocking their God. Seems unfitting, because throughout Scriptures, when angels appear, the reaction is not, fear not, but fear. This was the reaction of the mighty warrior Gideon, who when he saw an angel said, Alas! O Lord God, for I have seen an angel face to face. Or Manoah, who is the father of mighty Samson, who said, We shall surely die, for we have seen God after seeing an angel. Or even the fearless prophet Isaiah himself, who upon the vision of the seraphim in heaven responds, Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. Nevertheless, our Lord Jesus chooses angels to bring the gospel message of the resurrection. And He does that because of their faithfulness. Because of their faithfulness to their office and their work. The office of angels is to be messengers of God. That is what the name angel means. To be a messenger of God. And a messenger not only of evil news, but good news. And agents who carry out all of God's commands. 
Not only those that bring death, but those that bring life. The Scriptures tell us that the angels have an especially keen interest in the gospel of salvation, the salvation of mankind, and have held that interest since their creation in the beginning of time. The Apostle Peter tells us in chapter 1, verse 12, that the angels hear every word of God, had heard every word of God that he brought through the prophets concerning the Messiah, and that they earnestly looked into and eagerly longed for that word to be fulfilled. And so you will find angels are given significant roles in the delivering of the gospel throughout time and history. In the Old Testament, it was angels who brought not only the impending destruction upon Sodom and Gomorrah, but delivered to covenant Abraham the promise of God. Angels announce the birth of judges. They minister to Elijah. They encamp around the church and around its prophets. In the New Testament, the Scriptures tell us that angels come to announce the forerunner of the Messiah. It is angels who announce the conception and birth of Jesus Christ to Mary who announced the name of Jesus to Joseph. It is angels who come to minister to Christ after 40 days of temptation at the very beginning of His ministry. And significantly, it is angels who at the end of His life minister to Him after His sufferings in the Garden of Gethsemane. Angels are chosen... Also, because the message, fear not, is not the only message that they are told to bring that morning. They are also sent to bring a clear, unmistakable message to others. Fear. Fear greatly. Fear very much. And for the same reason... Because Christ is not here, but is risen. That's evident from the comparison of the historical record of events that are found in the Gospels that we read, including the one that we did not read in the book of John. The Gospels make plain not only the significance of the angels in bringing this message, but also specifically to whom they bring this message, and the result of it. What happens is this, if we put the accounts together. We know that first of all, Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus had cast out seven devils, and the other Mary, who is the mother of James, leave Bethany where they have stayed the night. They are on their journeys, joined by Salome, who is John's mother, 
and also the sister to Jesus' mother. Together, these four women, these three women, go to the tomb to finish the preparation of the body of Jesus for its entombment. On their way, we read that there was a great earthquake. And significantly, the Scriptures attribute that earthquake to the descent of an angel. There was a great earthquake for an angel descended from heaven. The angel is sent to roll away the stone, even the great stone, that was over the tomb. And that was done by the angel not to let Jesus out, for Jesus had already risen, having passed through the rock of the tomb. The tomb, rather, the stone, rather, is rolled away because, as the women feared, they could not see in or get to the body of Jesus without that stone being rolled away. So it's rolled away so that the women might enter the tomb. We read in the accounts that this angel who caused the earthquake and rolled away the stone from the tomb then perched atop that stone that he had rolled away. His countenance, we read, was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. We read that this was done to deliver a clear message. No words were spoken, nothing was said, but a message was delivered by that angel. And that message was delivered to the guards, the keepers. And that message is fear. Be very afraid. And that was the result. For fear of him, for fear of this angel, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. At some point, they come out of their slumber, they pick themselves up, and they flee in fright. Some home and some into Jerusalem to tell the Jewish leaders what they have seen and what they have witnessed. But they do not believe. They do not accept. They do not receive the fact that Christ is written, risen even though they know it's true. And for a large sum of money, they agree to spread the lie, that which they know is a lie, that the disciples have come and stolen the body of Jesus. But fear not is the primary message, which is why it's spoken of the angels. That message, the passages make clear, is not immediately received by its recipients. It's not received immediately by Mary Magdalene. From a distance, she had seen that the tomb with the stone rolled away, but not the angel, for he is now gone. She assumes 
the body has been stolen and has been moved. So she returns to Jerusalem to tell Peter and John. Salome and the other Mary, we read on the way, were joined by two more women. We know the the names of them. The first is Joanna, who is the wife of Cusa, who is, of all people, the steward of Herod Antipas. His wife joins the throng of women. The other is Susanna, a wealthy woman who, with Joanna, supported Jesus financially. Both had earlier followed Joseph to the tomb and saw where Jesus had been laid, and in that early morning hour had joined the other women in approaching the tomb. Mary being gone, the four women see the same angel. That angel, we read, has now moved inside the tomb. And his appearance is described differently. Now he appears as a young man dressed in white. His message is the message of our text, Fear not, for I know ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Luke tells us that at some point the first angel in the tomb is joined by a second angel, so that there is one angel seen at the head of where Jesus lay and another at the feet of where Jesus lay. Luke notes one difference, however, in the message to the women. We read that as the women, bowing down to the earth in fear, ask, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why, women, are you here among the dead? Do you not know that Jesus has risen? And then reminds them of what Jesus told them, that He must suffer, that He must die, and that He would rise again the third day. And we are told they remembered those words. Mary Magdalene also eventually sees two angels. After telling Peter, and we know from the other account, John, who race off to see the empty tomb, she returns. When Peter and John, who had arrived before, the angels had mysteriously vanished once again. But when Mary arrives, they are back. They are inside the tomb, at the head and the feet, as was recorded elsewhere, of where Jesus was. And they ask her, why are you weeping? And deliver the same gospel message that Jesus is risen, fear not. She, and apparently also some of the other women, will also see Jesus on their way home. What is the meaning of all this? The meaning is the good news of the gospel. 
the gospel of the resurrection brought by these heavenly preachers. The first to preach this glorious gospel. Like the gospel itself, this particular message that belongs to the gospel, we must see, is like a two-edged sword. It has two aspects to it. It is a message of life and of death. It is a message of joy and of woe. A message of comfort and a message of fear. A message that calms and a message that unsettles. It's what, what Paul said of preachers, human preachers, and the gospel they bring is also true of this gospel brought by these heavenly preachers. Thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one, we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other, the savor of life unto life. Second Corinthians 2, verse 14. The message they bring is the same word as the Holy Gospel that is described in Scripture as always having a powerful twofold purpose. That word is described as being quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4 Verse 12, that word is not only about this risen Christ, but is a word that is sent by the risen Christ. There is a wonderful vision of this Christ, risen and now ascended, sending forth that word. We read, whose feet are as brass, as if burned in a furnace, and a voice like as the sound of many waters, and who will soon ascend into heaven so that in His hand can be placed the stars of heaven, and whose countenance will shine as the sun in its strength, and out of whose mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. Striking that within minutes of Christ arising from the grave, He is at work, though not yet ascended, sending forth that sharp two-edged sword through the angels. Striking that when the Apostle John later sees Jesus in heaven, Jesus brings that same word, that He brought through the angels to the women. And we read that as our call to worship this morning. Fear not, for I am the first 
and the last. And I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Fear not, for I have the keys of death and hell. Amen. The meaning is as plain as the message itself. So plain that it's hard to distinguish the message from its meaning. There is one message and meaning for those who hate this Christ, who reject Him, and refuse to believe that He is the Christ who was dead and now liveth. Some are like the guards and the keepers to whom the angels brought this message. Those who hated Jesus and in hatred killed Him, who refused to repent of their crime, killing God's Christ. Those who wanted to keep Him dead in the tomb. Pilate and Herod, the chief priests, the rulers, and their lackeys. Those who mocked and scorned Jesus as the King of the Jews, who shouted, away with Him, crucify Him, and maintained their sin. There is a single message. And that message and its meaning is this. If you hate Him, and if you have made Him your enemy, if you reject Him, and in hardness of heart continue to reject Him, then be afraid. Be very afraid. Be afraid because He is no longer dead, but now lives. If He lives then He has overcome your best attempts to kill Him, to keep Him in the grave, to stand as some sort of victor over this seemingly helpless and lowly Christ. Be afraid, because who then can resist Him and overcome Him? Be afraid, because now given to Him is the keys of death and hell. Given to Him is, as Jesus Himself points out, all power in heaven and earth. These glorious angels that make you quake and fear are but His hosts, His army, His agents of destruction. He's given, we read in Scripture, the heathen for His inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for His possession. That significantly is found in Psalm 2 that we considered on Good Friday. Fear because He has in His hands the keys of death and hell. Be afraid because He is God's righteous judge. Christ who died having paid for the sins of those whom he loves, also punishes sin, including the greatest sin, which is unbelief and rejection of him. Psalm 2 again, He shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. But that's not the whole of the message. To be sure, 
It's a message that's routinely ignored, that's rejected, that's not considered on the day of Easter. Nevertheless, there is another side to the message with an entirely different meaning, and that is fear not. To his friends, to those whom he loves, for those whom he died for, he says, fear not. And notice the reason why not to fear. One ought to fear, having this message delivered by his messengers, even holy angels. One ought to fear, because the source of this message is Christ himself, who sends these angels, and whose beck and call they are at, Nevertheless, the reason is, even as Christ himself said, he is alive. He is no longer dead, but he is alive. And being alive is proof that he has paid the price of sin, the wages of sin, and undergone death to the fullest extent. It's proof that God approves of his work, that God has established him as king, and there is no more wages of sin for any who belong to him. Notice also specifically to whom he first brings this message, showing this is a gospel of grace. It is not a gospel for those who earn it or who work for it or somehow elevate themselves to receive it, but it is a gospel of grace. It's a gospel that first comes not to learned apostles and those who followed Jesus and hung on His every word, perhaps more knowledgeable than any other of His disciples, but it comes to women, and even lowly and meek women, and notice also the command he gives to them. The risen Jesus tells them, You now, you women, you women whom I have called and for whom I have died, you now go tell the apostles. You now deliver this gospel that I am risen, as I said, to those men and those leaders. What's the significance of all this? The significance is that this message and its twofold purpose has not changed at all over the thousands of years from when it was first preached. The significance is that those or to those who have made Christ their enemy, the unbelieving world and its unbelieving leaders, to the false church, to the leaders of the false church, that message continues to come. You see, there is a reason why the world celebrates Easter today buying candy and cuddling with bunnies. Why today they're hunting for eggs and eating and drinking. That's not mere idolatry. It's not mere consumerism. 
but it's fear. Fear. Like the guards and the chief priests to whom they delivered what they had seen. They fear. They quake greatly. They spread lies. They ignore the truth. And they run from it. There is a reason why members of the false church today show up in church only on this day. And when they come to church, have completely changed this message of the risen Christ. Christ to them is not this holy, righteous avenger of sin and death. He is not the Christ of holy angels that cause guards to quake unto death. He is not the Jesus who destroys by angels Sodom and Gomorrah. He is not the Jesus who will come to judge the quick and the dead. What explains the lack of presence in the church of Jesus Christ by those who claim to be members of the church? What explains why members of the church would appear in church only on an Easter or on that Easter hear a completely different message from that found in Scripture? And the answer is fear. Because they fear Him. As the guards and the leaders They may hide their fear with hard-hearted unbelief and all sorts of pretended merriment, but it will be evident when this risen Christ returns. We read once again in Scripture that when the heavens are rent and Jesus Christ, this risen glorious Christ, steps through the opening of the fabric of the universe, with all His holy angels on the clouds of heaven to return, this is the response. The kings of earth, the great and the rich men, the captains and the mighty men, the bondmen and the free men will hide themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains, saying, Fall on us and hide us from him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Quite a response. The wrong response. The response should be this, which is articulated very wonderfully again in Psalm 2. What's the response to the fact that Christ is risen? The response that's set forth clearly in Psalm 2, where the resurrection is likened to a begetting of God's Son. This day have I begotten thee. That's a reference not to His birth, but the resurrection. What's the message? Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and with trem- and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and ye perish from the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. That is, turn from your hatred. Turn from Him. 
Return from your unbelief and rather love Him and embrace Him. For blessed are they that put their trust in Him. What's the significance of this message of the angel? This, that those who do embrace this Christ in faith, not in fear, but in faith, and who love Him, they have no reason to fear. Fear not. Notice the emphasis upon the one quality of those to whom this message is brought. It's not that they were leaders, that they were so educated, that they were apostles, that they knew so much, that they remembered on their own all the instruction Jesus had given them about His death and resurrection. It's not that they were free from uncertainty. It's not that they weren't scared. It's not that they were free from sin. They were women who were afraid, who were very afraid. But when this message is brought, grow in their love for Jesus. Their fears and their doubts melt away. They find comfort. They find joy. They find excitement in this message of the angels. And that's the significance for us this morning. And the great question is, how do you respond to that Gospel message of the resurrection? Do you believe? Or are you filled with fear and with doubts? Do you love this Jesus? Or are you afraid of Him? Do you love this Jesus who was so despised and rejected that He suffered, that He died, and was placed in a tomb prison? Do you love this Jesus who having suffered and died for your sins has come forth from that tomb? Do you love Him because you believe that only He lives and that we live only out of His life? Do you love this Jesus who has done this and brought this message to you this morning? If you do, then fear not. Fear not today. Fear not tomorrow. Fear not in life. Fear not in death. Fear not in ignorance. Fear not in uncertainty. Fear not in bewilderment or consternation. Fear not, for He lives as He said, and lives because He loves you and has paid the price for your sins and continues to live still for you. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, O Lord, we thank Thee for this wonderful gospel message of the resurrection and the comfort that it brings to us. Give us faith to believe this message so that our fears are expelled and faith which fears not we believe in Him and trust in Him for all of our life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.